a man that was used to play football at Carter Finley Stadium, was drafted by the man who's joining us now in the Heaster Automotive Group hotline, Chandler Zavala being that former NC State player. Scott nice. Fitterer, general manager, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline of the Carolina Panthers. Scott, I know it's the first time you and I have spoken, all right? Luis Fernandez yep. and myself, Dennis Cox, have Hi, to know this. Hey, guys. At what point did you know when you traded up to number one that Bryce Young was the guy? I mean, you had to know, know all along, right, that, hey, we're going up there to get Bryce specifically. I mean, you, you, can, you can tell us. We won't tell anyone else. <laughs> i tell you what. You know, we had a pretty good feeling about Bryce uh, early on, you know, starting in February, uh, meeting with the scouts, talking to them. They had, they had a ton of conviction. And, uh, you know, we had new coaching staff coming in. Frank was putting the staff together with Thomas Brown and Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown, Parks Frazier. So they had to kind of catch up to speed on, uh, on Bryce and the whole quarterback class in general. But when we made that move, uh, you know, at the beginning of March, we had Bryce in mind as well as a few guys, but we wanted to, uh, to commit to being continuous throughout the process, keeping an open mind. But, you know, Bryce was always right there at the top. Scott, I look at that round two, round three, that kind of time frame in the draft, what was available, what you all had. Uh, prioritizing John, Jonathan Mingo, that wide receiver over, say, like an edge, end up getting DJ Johnson. Uh, was there something special about this wide receiver group that made you all say, yes, we need to go get someone in the second round? Yeah, you know, we, we like those top uh, receiver groups. You know, several of them went in the first round. Uh, we did want to, you know, give – Bryce and our offense some weapons and we thought that uh Jonathan Mingo did that you know he, he's a big man uh, we like these big receivers he's 6'2 220 pounds he's got long speed he plays big on the ball he's got great ball skills so we thought in this offense the way Frank and Thomas run it that he would be a really good fit um he's gonna be really good after the catch he can play inside and outside you know if you play him in the slot you can get the ball to him quick and he's got that run after catch ability that's really effective uh, in this offense. Scott Fitterer, Carolina Panthers general manager, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline alongside Luis Fernandez. I'm Dennis Cox. You traded up to number one from number nine. You had to give up a, a lot of your draft capital, not only from this year, but in the next couple of drafts as well. So in this year's draft and then looking into next year, how do you balance the draft capital that you have in terms of making the moves like you did to move up in the third round to take DJ Johnson, knowing that you may not have some of the future picks that you gave away, I say gave away, but that you traded away to move up to number one. How do you balance that out in terms of making sure that you go out and get not only the guy that you want, but also balancing what you need? Yeah. As we're building this team, you know, it's going to get harder and harder to make the team, you know, because not only the frontline guys, but the depth players, and I, I thought we added a lot of good players this year in, in college free agency. But, you know, you don't want to give up picks just to move up to get a guy that, you know, you feel okay about. You want to move up to get a guy that there's a specific role that player can fill. And uh, the way that our coaches thought, hey, this is a guy they wanted, this is a player they needed that we don't have on our roster, our scouts liked him. So when we're looking at DJ, we're looking at it, and we're like, okay, this guy can – not only has the 4-4 speed to get after the quarterback as a rusher, but he's got that 260-pound frame with shock in his hands to kind of set that edge. We don't have that on our roster currently. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of talk about DJ, but the one thing I know is uh, our coaches have a real conviction how they're going to play him, the role he's going to play. He'll be on the field mm -hmm. for us contributing. 
Uh, Scott, did you just turn on the the tape from NC State and see Ike Kwanu and Chandler Zavala play next to each other and say, yeah, I want that? Absolutely. You know, we watched uh, <laughs> Chandler this year. He, he was really good. And it, you know, we got onto him a little bit late, and uh, we're watching him. We're like, wow, this guy's really moving people. And we went back two years ago when he did line up next to Icky. He was the left guard. Icky's the left tackle. And I tell you what, they were absolutely destroying people in the run game on the left side of that line. They were fun to watch. You know, they played some good competition, and they were moving guys two, three, four yards off the ball. And when they, you know, you get those pancakes, and they would go down on top of them and finish them. So there's a there's a nastiness to those guys. And then you know we talked to Icky about them, and he loved the guy. We brought Chandler in for a, for an interview on a 30 visit. We hit it off with him. Coach Camp and our offensive line coach loved him. So he, he was just a fit for what we're looking for. He can He's the guy that can help us right away, you know, with Austin Corbett coming off an injury. If he's not ready, you know, we can do some things where Chandler can be in the lineup right away. Uh, and uh, he's the guy that we see starting uh, down the road as well. Hey, if you get a starter in your offensive line in the fourth round, that's, I mean, the word value is thrown out a lot. That's, to me, in my mind, that's great value. Scott Fitterer, Carolina Panthers general manager, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. I want to go back to Bryce here real quick. I will say for Nick Saban to have the pick of the litter in terms of college football, in terms of quarterbacks, and he chooses Bryce Young at at his size and his frame. His, His size and his frame is what it is. And for you guys to take him number one overall, to me, that tells me this guy has to be a really, really special, not only player, but person. He is. Yeah, he's both that. He's a special player and a special person. And, you know, 90% of the quarterback positions played from the neck up. You know, you have to have a really smart guy out there. There's several different traits you need. You know, there's managing the line of scrimmage, the calls. There's the processing part of it. But there's also the poise part of it and the ability to, you know, create time in the pocket and keep your eyes downfield. And the one thing about Bryce, that's what he does so well. That's why he plays the game at such a high level. And he never gives up on a play. He goes through his progressions. He just knows and has that feel that the great quarterbacks have. And that's why we were so convicted. It's a lot of times you get a guy that with a lot of great traits with the, you know, six, four and the huge arm and all these mm-hmm. things, but they can't go through the progression or you get a small guy that can run around and make plays. The one thing about Bryce is he can do it all. Like he can, he can make a lot of plays, deliver the ball on time. He has an absolutely great feel for the game. He's got great anticipation. So those are all the things that when you study NFL quarterbacks over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half, that's what they all have. And um, so that's why we're so excited to get him. Scott, I look at, the way you constructed this roster, all the turnover that's happened recently, the people that you draft. And it seems to me that this Panthers team is ready to compete for an NFC South division title immediately. Is that fair? That's our goal. Our goal every year is going to be to compete for the NFC South. And I think we've built this roster in a way where, you know, you build it on defense, you build it on the offensive line. Now we're filling in. Now we're dropping the quarterback into it. And this is, kind of been the uh, the blueprint that we've had for the last, you know, two to three years. And uh, we're finally in a position where we can take this. And I, I do think the NFC South is uh, up for grabs right now. Scott Fitterer, Carolina Panthers general manager, one final question for you. What's next for you? Do you actually get a chance to sleep now that the draft <laughs> is over? Do you get a vacation? I mean, free agency. Turn on the 2024 yeah, film. Yeah. I was like, are you already scouting 2024, 2025? What's next for you? 
you know what? We're right back into it. We're we're in the middle of OTAs. We're uh, filling out mm-hmm. roster spots for a mini camp. That's not this weekend, but the weekend after. And uh, our scouts will start. You know, they've already have a pretty good feel for next year's class. And you know, it, this is a really uh, it's a nonstop process. Building a roster and maintaining a roster is nonstop. And if you ever do stop, it, you know, it's going to pass you by. So we have to be on top of it. And we're very fortunate that uh, we have the opportunity to do this. Well, don't forget to breathe and sleep during all of this. You've been putting in a lot of work this offseason. I know I'm excited for this upcoming year for the Panthers. Scott Fitterer, General Manager of Carolina Panthers, best of luck this year. We'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. You can listen to all the games here on 99.9 The Fan this upcoming fall with the Carolina Panthers because guess what? 99.9 The Fan is your flagship station in the Raleigh area for the Carolina Panthers, just like – we're the flagship station for the Carolina Hurricanes. You can listen to tonight's game at 7 o'clock. We're going to react a little bit more to Scott Fitterer here in just a moment. But we are out here in the plaza at PNC Arena between between PNC and Carter Finley. The parking lots are open. There are people actually already tailgating here, which is really awesome. By the way, it's a little bit windy out here. It's a little chilly, which is great. So if you do have a grill fired up, you could stand right by it when you're cooking your brats, maybe your veggie burgers if you're a good friend, Chris Lee. Maybe have those grilled up for you. Black bean burgers. There you go, black bean burgers. I know Victoria probably actually likes a good black bean burger. Am I right on that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Me too, yeah. Victoria, she eats some Chick-fil-A. But the plaza's open. They have a bunch of different stuff, cornhole boards, all kinds of stuff out here in the plaza for you to come check out DJ and everything going on as well. So we're out here as well. It's a fun time. I'm excited for tonight for game one between the Devils and the Canes. Lewis, we haven't had hockey since Friday. It feels I felt deprived. It feels like it's been longer than that, honestly. It really has been. Because yeah. we had a full weekend where we actually didn't have to do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm over here like, man, the Canes might have some rust. And it's like, no, it's, it's actually only been like four days. No, uh, it's, it's, it's been only four days. We're going to react a little bit in terms of what Scott Fitterer had to say about Bryce Young. There's a word that he dropped there a few times in our conversation with him. If you missed that conversation, check it out on the best of the 99.9 The Fan podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But there's one word that stuck out to me. We'll talk about it more next. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group and Luis fernandez dennis coxie with you my man chris lee wrl tv joining us here what's up on site at pnc arena do we need cat campbell out here to give us a, like a forecast for today's game because it's windy out here so windy maybe i mean you know hey hurricanes back in town maybe an actual hurricane will come through i don't know we'll see well i definitely don't want an actual hurricane that would be bad that would that'd be, 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 be pretty bad all right so we were just joined by scott fitterer general manager of the Carolina Panthers. And Chris Lee, as we go into hit it and quit it, here's a here's what Scott Fitterer said just a moment ago about Bryce Young. We had a pretty good feeling about Bryce uh, early on, you know, starting in February, uh, meeting with the scouts, talking to them. They had, they had a ton of conviction. And, uh, you know, we had new coaching staff coming in. Frank was putting the staff together with Thomas Brown and Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown, Parks Frazier. So, they had to kind of catch up to speed on uh, on Bryce and the whole quarterback class in general. 
But when we made that move, uh, you know, at the beginning of March, we had Bryce in mind as well as a few guys, but we wanted to uh, to commit to being continuous throughout the process, keeping an open mind. But, you know, Bryce was always right there at the top. Yep, so we asked him right at the beginning, all right, when did you actually know that Bryce was the dude? And he basically said, yeah, when we traded up the one, it was it was for Bryce. Now, they did their homework, Chris, but one word stuck out to me, and that was conviction. Conviction. I, I love the fact that they actually they had the conviction to go after their guy. Yeah, similar to uh, – you know, some of the reporting that's been around this uh, for, you know, the last few weeks where that's pretty much been the guy they needed to convince Frank Reich and the coaching staff about it. But, you know, as we talked about there, uh, same scout, the guy that's responsible for bringing in J.C. Horn and Luke Keekley, he was the main guy responsible for scouting those guys in college and came back and said, these are guys that we need to draft. He did the same thing with Bryce Young a couple of years ago before mm-hmm. we ever saw him. Uh, hit the field at Tuscaloosa, and it looks like uh, the, the Panthers knew where they wanted to go. They went there, and they they uh, had to, uh, you know, get Frank Reich on board. Well, Lewis, you said the word conviction a lot. He did. And that, that's the word that stuck out to me. It's like, okay, that means that's a, it's a firmly held belief that these guys are the ones that we want. And they and even guys like DJ Johnson, there's conviction with that. That's, so that's that, one thing I saw that was really interesting uh-huh. when he was talking about DJ Johnson in particular because he said – you know, there a lot has been said about DJ Johnson, and I think what he's kind of <laughs> referencing there is the fact DJ Johnson has had some growing pains uh, from like a, a personal personality perspective. He's still can continuing to go through, but he's also older. He he's an older guy, almost like twenty five years old, I believe, and mm-hmm. you're seeing that more and more with some of these players that are coming out um, of of school just because of COVID, because of what the pandemic did. And and normally the draft intuition is high production, low age. Yeah. Right. Like I look at Jamar Chase. Yeah. He was 21 and he was roasting people. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Great. Top five pick. You know it. So you're going to have to trust some of these guys who uh, may not fit the the typical profile of what you're looking to draft. Chandler Zavala is another one. He's a little bit older. He's been injured, but he's shown those flashes. So you, you take your shots when you can. Brian Burns, who who'll be on the opposite side of, is just a few months older than DJ Johnson. <laughs> he's about to <laughs> sign his second contract. Yeah. Get his big time extension with the Panthers. Yep. While DJ Johnson is a project that the Panthers are looking to prove that hey. We, there's a reason why we have this guy here. It's very interesting. Fitterer said he expects Johnson to contribute right away. So, obviously, time will tell, certainly, in that regard. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. We're at PNC Arena. Game one, Eastern Conference Finals, Devils, Canes. There's a bit of a history, actually, between these two teams in terms of the playoffs. They faced each other four times in the playoffs. The Canes have won the last three, 2 where the Canes got to the Stanley Cup Finals, lost to Detroit, 6 where they got to the Stanley Cup Finals and won the Stanley Cup, and then 2009, where they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, but eventually lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in 9 to Pittsburgh. So there is a history there between these two franchises. Not many fans probably remember it. Obviously, none of the players on the ice are part of this anymore, but I do love the fact that, hey, we're running it back against a team that we've had success against. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Me and you talked about this earlier in the week where we kind of preferred for them to go against the, the Rangers, but we said that well, they yeah. went against the Devils. We felt like it, it may be an easier matchup, and there's uh, a few reasons why. We talked about the goaltending situation uh, yesterday. The Canes are undefeated against rookie goaltenders in their in playoff series, history. Yeah. And so Akira Schmidt is going to probably have a hard time 
against uh, the Canes attack. So we'll, we'll see what happens today. Hopefully the Canes can keep up with that. Yeah, I'm all about the easiest road possible. So to me, that was the Devils over the Rangers. <laughs> Storylines story are nice, but I mean, make it, if you can... If you can get by on B's and C's, hey, that's fine by me. That's that's kind of how hey, I look at it. The B's and C's make degrees. Hey, hey, there you go. Hey, as long as you get there, it doesn't matter how you got there, as long as you get there. True. But I think things, Lewis, you mentioned this earlier, things bracket-wise are shaking out perfectly for Carolina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's it's, it's going to – they're in a position where, you know, they can – you know, you don't want to look ahead, but you get past the Devils, and then you get what either uh, the, the Leaves or, or, or uh, the Panthers. I mean – I, listen, I think that I, I do worry a little bit about Florida just because of the fact that they win game one and the way things went with the Bruins. But you're putting yourself in a position to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like it, that's the fact that you're even in your in that position is is great. That's what you want to do. That's why you do the whole thing. Well, the three teams that the Pan or the the Canes were worst worried about, at least fans wise, were Bruins, Lightning, Bye. Bye, and Rangers. Bye. All three of them are gone. <laughs> Shout out in sync. All three are gone. Out. Yeah. Out. Bye, bye, bye. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I hit it so good. Canes did not have a morning skate today. Rob Brindamore did not say who his starting goaltender is going to be. We have a gut feeling that it's Freddie Anderson, but Freddie Anderson didn't play against the Devils at all during the regular season. Is that advantage Devils if, if it is Freddie in net tonight, or is that advantage Freddie? I think it's in uh, advantage Freddie uh, because I think that w when you look at it, the, the Devils aren't going to know what's what's going to be out there for them. Freddie's riding a bit of hot streak coming back in. You're trying to trying to build up his confidence after having a phenomenal game six. Mm. Uh, plus, plus you look at it, the fact that the Canes are even in this situation where you have two solid goalkeepers to, to choose between, that's good when you look at what the Devils are having to do where they're having to ride Akira and you know, hopefully he continues his hot streak for them. Uh, but then, you know, it, the guy you have to fall back on in the past was absolutely atrocious in game one and game two against the Rangers. So, uh, I view it as you've got a, some, a hot streak to ride and you're putting yourself in a position where you have someone to fall back on should things go poorly. Definitely advantage for Freddie and the Canes. Um, mm -hmm. They haven't had a chance to see him this season, so they don't know probably what to expect, right? Like, they, they know that they have a winning record against Piotr Kochekov, one and two. Yeah. Uh, Piotr Kochekov was against them, which means on the opposite side they were two and one against him. They lost to Auntie Ranta, but maybe, but that was in a shootout. It was in a shootout. So, five so game. you yeah. still have confidence uh, against him where like, hey, maybe if there's just one goal we don't give up, then th that's a game we can win. This is a guy you haven't seen yet so far. He's the number one. He's the ace for the Carolina Hurricanes. So, you know, maybe if you're, you're kind of thinking of it from the devil's perspective, we're not sure what to, uh, to expect uh, and we don't know his tendencies right now because we haven't had a chance to play against him. So uh, I'm liking the Canes in this one. Hopefully they get everything. We, talk, we talked about how bad home teams have been so far in the postseason yeah. uh, in the NHL, but the Canes were the best home team in the first round. Hopefully they take care of home and get the win tonight. Okay, we're going to get into the goaltending situation for the New Jersey Devils and the absolute man crush that Lewis has now on Akira Schmidt. Oh, you do? Uh, he's got a good we're, name. We're, we're he's gonna, got a good name. We're oh. going to get in that here in a little bit. We're, we're, we're going to quit that for a moment. Let's hit this real fast. Put it down. All right. <laughs> Lakers, Warriors. Lakers get the win last night. Anthony Davis went off 30 points, oh, 23 man. rebounds. 
Uh, Lewis, explain to me what explain what happened at the end of that game and uh, why isn't Steph Curry shooting the ball at the end? Well, Steph Curry isn't shooting that ball at the end because Jordan Poole has the greenest of green lights I've ever seen in my life. But I, I, I think uh, it's, wait a minute, is this not somebody else? <laughs> not somebody else we've talked about. Wait, sure it wasn't <laughs> Caleb. Oh, 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 it does, it does sound a little bit familiar to someone who used to play basketball. Wasn't UNC. Caleb Love? Uh, yeah. No, but no, because okay, so essentially in that final possession, uh, Steph Curry has the ball. He gets double teamed, um, and he passes the ball off Draymond Green. Draymond Green then dishes out to Jordan Poole on the wing with about five, six seconds left. Jordan Poole pulls up. Uh, one of the, I was listening to Jay Williams talk earlier uh, uh, today, one of the things he said was you see Vanderbilt dash over to Poole in that situation to get a hand on him. Could be a good opportunity to give back to Steph. You'd much rather have Steph shooting a contested shot versus Jordan Poole shooting a contested shot. I, but, I mean, it was like 27, 28 feet out. It, it's it's not ideal. I think that it's not that Jordan Poole is a bad person to shoot in that situation is that the, the Lakers want Jordan Poole yeah. to shoot in that situation. Well, it's, it's the Warriors, though. So they're they're the type of team where it doesn't matter. It could it could have been Draymond, right, to, mm -hmm. to shoot that final shot. That's kind of how they've operated throughout their entire run. It, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Steph, which is one of the things that kind of make them special as a team. So uh, it's one of those things where also, if you look at it, Jordan Poole had made six already in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. and, and so uh, he was already kind of high I, uh, in the game. And so and then also the, the Lakers had a little had a better rest situation heading into the game. And you got the best Anthony Davis. I don't know if I've seen since Anthony Davis has been with the Lakers outside of the bubble him put together two games like this. Well, it, so yeah. I want to see, can you do this again? I'm not sure. He had the game of his life. I don't know if he can do this again. So I'm not necessarily worried about the, the Warriors. They're going to figure out their stuff. They're going to figure out their interior defense. Kevon Looney is really the only person that they have down there to contend with Anthony Davis. Uh, but in that final situation with as hot as Jordan Poole was and with how the Hurric uh, how the Warriors got the Hurricanes on my mind. <laughs> how the Warriors have gone about their business since their run, since the you know mid-teens. It doesn't matter who takes the final shot, especially if they have the hot hand. But but hear me out. Okay, Steph Curry is the greatest three-point shooter of all time. Absolutely. But I so I just I look at it like who's close behind him? Well, I mean Clay is right there, sure. But no, but that's we're talking about Jordan Poole versus Steph Curry, who just dropped fifty. And that's part of the reason why I'm worried, I think, about the Warriors. Not not just in this situation based on how game one went, but just in this series in general, because you know, it took you know, it took uh, Steph Curry going Super Saiyan to give them the win over the Kings. And it's a total totally different styles of basketball are clashing in this Warriors Lakers series. You look just like the box score and how it all went down, the amount of threes being shot versus the Lakers living in the paint, getting to the free throw line, staying aggressive on that front. I'm super excited. I think this is gonna be another really fun series, but I just I I don't think the Warriors are nearly as good as they were last year. Their defense is bad. Yeah. I mean, their defense is just atrocious it's, this year. The fact that LeBron can, he's had better teams, but the fact that this team can carry him if he needs to be carried <laughs> is amazing. The West is horrible this year. Oh, that that is definitely a fact. <laughs> All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real fast. How you doing? Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers named NBA MVP for the regular season. Uh, that's great for a guy who might not even play tonight against the 76ers. He's playing tonight. Oh, is they he playing tonight? Oh, good for him. Tonight. When's he getting hurt? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you leave the process alone. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll leave the process alone. Yeah, I think the process left on its own. By the way, we do have Celtics versus Sixers tonight. You mentioned something, Mead, Lewis. Yeah. Is this the old James Harden that we're seeing after what we saw in game one? So James Harden after the game. 
uh, after game one when the, the, the 76ers beat the Celtics without Joel Embiid had an amazing quote where he said, it doesn't, I, I, he said essentially he's in a lose-lose situation. If oh. he doesn't go out there and score 40 points a game, people say, oh, man, you, this is the, the, the old James Harden. He's gone. Man, this is a washed-up form of James Harden, whatever it might be. But he can go out there and score, uh, you know, 20 and, and 15, 20 points, 15 assists. And everyone's like, man, he's never scoring points anymore. What's going on? I, I think that James Harden has to be given credit for how he has molded his game to fit what is best for the 76ers. And I think if, even if Joel Embiid is a little bit banged up, is a little bit hurt if he's 75 percent i i think that this should be the the 76ers thing this should be their series okay i'm trying to take your words over here well yes you got a bunch of pollen blowing in your face oh, right yeah now, as we all do right now as far as like the actual mvp award just talking about uh joel and b sure. um i think it's an interesting pick it does kind of feel as if Jokic has won it the last two years so we can't necessarily vote it for him again um, but that, 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 that shouldn't but be But you know what, though? You know what, though? Why? I kind of get that, though, because there, here's something I, I think. I, I think uh, I can't remember who put. I want to give them the right credit, but somebody, I can't remember who said it, maybe Jay Williams, uh, put it in perspective a few weeks ago when they were having that whole discussion about this. Like, if you look back at the history of the MVP award, it's actually um, um, a snapshot into what the NBA was at that time. So you have names like, you know, Wilt. Um, uh, uh, Russell, uh, yeah. you have Bird, Magic, Jordan, uh, Duncan, Shaq, Kobe, and, and you have these people who have won championships. Jokic, if he gets three in a row, it's kind of like Steve Nash, where Steve Nash got two in a row without having uh, a team that could win it all. So it's like well, what, it's an what individual are, award for the regular season. That's not the that's not the award. That's the, I, so that's the that's the debate. What is the award? Because I think a lot of people don't agree on what the award is. And some people feel like, you know, like if you look at it from a Lewis is a big um, analytics guy from an analytics standpoint, like Jokic is better. But if you okay. look at it from the standpoint of which the team narrative would not be where they are without this one player. And honestly, I think that is Embiid this year. I, okay. I still I still like, think it's I, I still think it'd be Jokic regardless. But I don't but know, I, man. They I, have, I, they have I a think... decent team. They still like the West is weak. They'd still make the playoffs. Like Philadelphia would be old Philadelphia if Embiid didn't play anything. I, I will say I think that the the conversation around MVP is getting very frustrating because it, it is the it's it's, it's like, unclear what it is exactly like I, if you're you know i think Jokic is is not getting this mvp not to say that joel mb doesn't deserve it by any means he definitely does you can make the case that he deserves mvp absolutely but it's like Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, all these different people are all suffering the consequences of how the mvp award has been treated over the past several years going back i mean there are how many times did LeBron needed to be MVP, but he wasn't given MVP? How many I, times did Kobe win when he, oh yeah, when I mean, he didn't That's get why it? I think after it should be, to me, it should be awarded after everything is over, including the championship. Mm. After we look over the totality of what the season was, who so was you the MVP? want to factor in the playoffs, too. I do. I think okay. that's the finals I absolutely MVP do, because, though. like, you know, Jokic has fallen flat in the playoffs a, a lot. And so, and like, the same thing, going back to what I was saying about Steve Nash and, like, the – when you look at the the history before that, it's really kind of reflected who's won the championships. And when you start having guys who are dominating MVP, but in the postseason they do nothing with their team. Okay, well, again, like how can you be the MVP in a in a league where stars really do matter? Like in the NFL, 
stars don't like you can have the best football player on the field it's more of a team sport it's more of a team sport that yeah. one star is not going to well, push you uh to a championship again it's a There's regular so many different factors. it's a regular season award i think it's it should a, be a totality of the well, season i, I for, like the fact that basketball. for example like in, in hockey we have the heart trophy for regular season mvp and we have the con smite for the playoff mvp that's they, yeah. they're two separate things they have to be separate again it's a league where the team matters a little bit more not saying a team doesn't matter in basketball but like if you have two legit stars on a team and an okay uh cast we've seen you can win a championship Joel Embiid deserves MVP, and I think Nik Nikola Jokic also like can't yes. throw his name in that mix. But I, it's it's tough, man. We gotta we gotta do something about it though. It's because it's getting yeah. annoying. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real quick. He's a machine. Now a machine, at least in games three through seven for the New Jersey Devils in their first round series against the New York Rangers was Akira Schmidt, who went four and one with a goals against average of 1.38 and a 9.51 save percentage, and also had two shutouts in those five starts he had in the first round after his team was down 0-2. He's a rookie, only had 24 NHL games coming into the postseason, gets thrown into it. But Luis Fernandez, you have a man crush on him for various <laughs> hear about reasons. This. Okay, so no, we were talking to, to Jamie Hirsch from the NHL Network earlier, and she's she's going off on on just the, the legend of Akira is what she called it, and deservedly so. I mean, it's there are not... You get these rare moments in sports. You might have a someone, Cam, Cam Ward might type I mean, run. Exactly. Like that's that's like the the territory that he's starting to enter. Should it continue like this? Um, but apparently he he is was it Swiss? I believe Swiss. So Swiss he's, born. Yeah. He's Swiss born, but his dad apparently Swiss, Swiss father. Yeah. His his dad is a big uh, anime fan, and named him Akira after the classic like I think it was eighties uh, or late eighties. Uh, anime movie Akira, which is based on the manga Akira, which is phenomenal. I'm a big anime guy. She, like, she says okay. this, and I literally go, oh, oh, like, like I'm like a third grader in class. Like, really annoying guys like, call on me, call on me, call on me. <laughs> I, I got, I got so excited. She's like, yeah, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And she's like, okay, yeah, she's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. But while like Lewis over here is just beaming, I never thought Chris, someone would have a like a nerd out moment more than me. It's. The, I was, every time you watch a movie and someone does like one of those motorcycle slides, mm. that is what they do in Akira, and it is paying homage to Akira. Ask ask any of your favorite movie people about Akira, and they'll tell you about Akira. I'm pretty sure, Dennis, you can guess. I've never seen what um, what Lewis is talking about. <laughs> yes. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's great you not having seen anything like that. All right, real quick, on the goaltending situation. We don't know who actually is going to start for the Carolina Hurricanes. We know Akira Schmidt is starting for the New Jersey Devils. EJ Raddick of the NHL Network joined Adam Gold earlier today. If you missed the conversation with EJ and Adam, you can check it out on the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast. But EJ Raddick on the goalie rotation options for the Carolina Hurricanes in this series. Look what's going on right in your backyard. You know, it was it was Ronta, then it was Freddie Anderson, and now we think it's going to be Freddie Anderson tonight. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe maybe it'll be Peter Kochetkov. Maybe Archer Zerbe will come back. I don't know. That's the big question. No one knows. Carolina Hurricanes did not skate this morning, so we do not know who the starter is going to be. It does appear that forward Jack Drury is going to be back in the lineup because the extras skated this morning. Mackenzie McEachern was part of the extras group, so we should see Jack Drury back in the lineup who left game number four against the New York Islanders early in that game uh, against the Islanders on the road on Long Island when the Carolina Hurricanes blew them out in game number four. 
but we didn't see Drury. I haven't seen Drury since then, but look, he's ready to go. But we don't know who's in net. We don't know who's in net for Carolina. Mind games from Rob Brindamore? Absolutely. I love it. 100%. I love it. Give me, give me more mind games. Gamesmanship to the max. Like, he, he doesn't want to tip his hand. He knows his team has, is dealing with some injuries right now. He knows that uh, that folks are, are going to talk about how fast New Jersey is compared uh, to, to his team and their forwards and all that, mm-hmm. how young they are, how spry they are. So he's got to keep whatever advantages he has. So if that's going to be the advantage where he's not going to leak who's going to be in goal, we know who uh, the, the devil's going to have in goal, Akira Schmidt, then he's going to keep it to himself. And I absolutely love it. I loved how I think it was the Monday uh, availability. He was like, I'm having so much fun with this. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's leaning into it. I, I, I like it. I like it. Now, here's one thing I have a question about Schmid in goal. Does he wear a Schmidium? He might. A Schmidium. So he just had, he's, the, the Devils are coming off a rigorous series where he had to come in and he started the last five games. You're playing in every other day schedule in the NHL. They just played two days ago on Monday in mm-hmm. a game seven. Pretty stressful situation. You have to immediately go back on the road two days later to play game one. Every other game. If this series goes deep, I don't know how how well a rookie goaltender is going to be able to handle that at this point in his career. But again, he's young. He's probably might be able to recover quickly. Here's another thing I thought of looking that at happens the, when you're younger. Looking at the schedule as well. Quick turnaround for this game back here Friday. So like, you know, things get if they hurricanes take care of business they can leave raleigh up 2-0 but then you have a quick turnaround sunday for a 3-30 game game. does that is that better for the canes because the the devils haven't had a chance to catch their breath yet and then all of a sudden are you are we looking at a 3-0 series before tuesday's game four so um you know i I think this is shaking out good for the canes but then on the other end that could impact the canes maybe this team is so young and so energetic so spry that it doesn't impact them they don't really understand the situation they're in so they're just out there playing and then they can uh, make sure that this is an advantage for them that's that's what i'm honestly what i was thinking about with the devils a little bit is that they're they kind of strike me as that team right now that just they don't they don't know what they're doing you know what I mean? Like they're they're so young, they're just they're out there enjoying it. They're not aware of the immense pressure that you're starting to feel as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue. Hey, you're younger. Sometimes you can recover faster. Indeed. Just saying. That's Chris Lee and Luis Fernandez. I'm Dennis Cox. We're live out here.